You are now tuned in to Built to Quit, a podcast where I talk with and dig into the stories of Black entrepreneurs and their journey to full-time entrepreneurship. Be sure to tap in every other week to hear distinct perspectives and lessons learned from Black entrepreneurs who created a blueprint and business that allowed them to leave their nine to five, but in a way that worked for them, their family, and their finances. And now for this week's episode. Hey, good people. Welcome back to another episode of Built to Quit. Uh, I have another wonderful guest here. Zanetta Mann is with me. Uh, Zanetta and I connected by way of social media, which, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with. I'm going to be honest with you. But I've actually met and connected with some really cool people. I've actually met clients, so we can talk about that another podcast episode. But again, today, chatting with Zanetta Mann. Zanetta is an author, entrepreneur, and digital marketing expert with over 15 years of industry experience. Recently named Entrepreneur Magazine's Top 100 Women of Impact for her continued work in women's empowerment, Zanetta continues to inspire. She founded the Black Women's Business Collective out of a growing need to provide access and resources to Black career professionals and entrepreneurs who experienced financial challenges throughout the start of COVID-19. Since then, BWBC has expanded into a membership community that provides a place of belonging for Black women to learn, network, and grow through allyship, resources, events, and healing and wellness retreats, all with a shared goal of increasing their economic opportunities. Zanetta, welcome to Built to Quit. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me and just hearing all of, I mean, just Oh, wow. Just to be able to see progress and to hear it. I, I'm, I was wondering if you were talking about me and what I built, but <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I uh, low-key wish I was recording some of the, the, the chatter that we had before we, uh, you know, hit record. I'm going to have to definitely have you back. I, I think we may hit on some of that where we're talking, but um, today I just want to really, you know, explore and focus on, you know, your entrepreneurial journey into to owning a business. I know that You've done what a lot of Black people have done. You have, you know, worked full time. I believe you quit. You know, you, you know, went back, you worked and built. And so we're going to try and get through as much as we can, because I, again, I say this a lot, you know, our experiences as Black people is just very different in terms of how we build wealth, you know, how we take care of our families. And then for those that have an interest in building wealth and taking care of our families by way of ownership how we find our way into business, running a business, managing a business and all the things. So my first question for you is, what was your first job? So we can call it a job. I think it was a job because I worked very, very hard. Um, I was eight years old. I think it was about eight. And I don't know if your listeners are aware of like how the school system always has these candy sales. And my school in New York City, I went to New York City Public Schools, they had this candy sale. And every year, my grandfather and I would go out and hustle. And we would we would usually be the top seller. And this one, I, I looked at it as a job. I took it very seriously. And it's highly organized. But this one job, this one year, uh, really threw me for a loop um, because we became the top sellers in the entire New York State that this is what was announced. My grandfather worked for the military and he had a lot of friends and I, I went door to door knocking and selling candy. And my experience with that was great until I realized that I couldn't keep any other profit and then I quit. So I will tell you that I am the queen of quit of things that don't serve me. <laughs> so at eight years old, I quit my first job for working for free for the New York City Department of Education. And, um, you know, I, I've been on this path ever since. 
Wow. I was just thinking, you know, knocking on people's doors nowadays. I just, that's just not happening. You know, you just can't it, do it. It, we can't do it. <laughs> different, different times, different right. vibes, different energy. Just, it, it looks a little different. Little kids that's on right. the door selling candy. So right. what was your last full-time job? Oh, so I was the, the director of digital strategy for a nonprofit. I will not name the nonprofit, but I will say it was a New York City nonprofit. And it wasn't my greatest experience. I stayed for about a year, still at the time running my business and doing other things that I do. And it was, it was almost, it was, it certified that I need to go all in in my businesses and stop accepting things that pop up. I didn't actively apply for the position. It's because of my work. I have over 17 years experience in marketing and communication. So, you know, it, it's just like a natural fit. Oh, let's reach out to Zineda. She may want to lead this department, et cetera. And um, I took that, but I think it was really a clear sign that just because I am good at something and an opportunity arises doesn't mean that I have to literally plant the seeds that come to me and that, you know, so that was it. So it, it was a good, it was a toxic experience, but a good experience for me to see that business and entrepreneurism is a hundred percent for what it is that I'm doing. And I need to do that. And it's, I, I think you said, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you had started working on your own business while you were in that role. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was already, you- so I've already, I already had the business. So okay. it came from my work that I've done that they knew. So they pretty much knew that I, I had my agency, but it was just like, you know, we have this great opportunity. We'd love you to lead it. And that's how that, so I, I decided, okay, the pay was, the pay was decent. So I was like, okay. yeah, you know, it was like another client. That's how I looked at it. Oh, it's another client. And um, yeah, so that's how I transitioned, but I, I was not actively looking. Do you feel like you stayed in that, that full-time role? And I'm asking, cause people have asked me this. Do you feel like you stayed in that full-time role to help fund your business? Or did you stay in that full-time role because it was secure or you just, you know, weren't sure about going out on your own full-time yet? Yeah, it was, um, so I, I'm going to say it was three part. Um, one to fund is always to fund because I do have two businesses, the marketing business, and I have the Black Women's Business Collective. The Black Women's Business Collective is fairly new and we're in a growth stage, but it needed capital funding. Like it needed the funding. And one thing, unfortunately for uh, Black women owned businesses, we don't get the funding and, you know, the data proves it. If it's under 2% that we get any type of investment funding, um, what do we have to do? We, we get gritty, we use our resources. And a lot of times that is our personal income. So because I do have other responsibilities, I have a family, I have a house, I just brought a, a new house. So I'm just like, okay, I can't take the money I make from my business and do this. I need another source of income. So it was that. Um, I think the other thing was, and and maybe we can speak to belief and faith. Sometimes you think you're believing in yourself, but you're not really. And and the reality was I wasn't believing in myself because I said, you know what? The security of a job, just in case this doesn't work, like that, just even saying that is lack of belief, lack of faith in what you believe can happen. And I am human. A lot of people just think, oh, she's making it work. She's a hustler. I am. And I got that bulldog in me. But the other side is sometimes I lose faith. And, and that's in my own spirituality that I'm just like, you know, God, what, what is it? Like, help me have more faith that this is what you want me to do, especially with the Black Women's Business Collective. Not having funding and leading something that I believe is my life's work the economic empowerment of Black women for their communities is even bigger than just, hey, everybody start a business. And it's it's deeper for me because I grew up watching Black women in impoverished communities just 
struggle and suffer. I'm gonna keep it real. And I'm, I want to be the change in that and help people realize their power any way that they can and make this collective grow. But I'm using my own money. So if, well, I was, but you know, now it's changed since then. But this idea that this can be secure just in case this doesn't work, at least I still have money to take care of my family. But it didn't, you know, God's going to make it work the way he wants to make it work. And, and, and then in such, I'm not there anymore. And, and it's working. And it's actually doing better now that I'm really just focused on that full time. So that's interesting. I want to come back and talk more about that. Also, yeah. just kind of how you created space. So you could focus on some other things, but I want to mm-hmm. go back to your exit strategy from the full time. Can you share? What was that like? Did you plan to leave? Did you just get so tired of the toxic environment? That I was like, I'm done with this. Let me go and just you know, really focus on mine. What, what did that exit strategy look like for you? Or was there not an exit strategy? Okay. So y'all heard me say I'm the queen of quit. I am. I just keep it real. I just, I don't quit things that I'm into. I quit what doesn't serve me. And that leads to the fact that there wasn't an exit strategy because I didn't want to exit. And this is the first time I'm speaking about this publicly. So it was, I was very close to the CEO and I didn't want to leave, but the environment pushed me out. The, the idea that I'm a successful leader caused the CEO to, to basically rebel against me, which didn't make any sense to me, really, right? Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm uplifting the organization, why would you want to drag me down? This is your org that's growing, not my business. But because of that, it got to that point where I just couldn't take it anymore. I was doing maybe four people's jobs. And then the pay that I thought was security and I thought was good started to look more like work. Everything was just literally work. I felt like a contractor. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I'm, Mm. you know, four, four people's roles, no respect. I'm being overlooked. I'm not getting the C-suite role because you don't want to put a black woman in a C-suite, which I was told that's that like, it's not going to happen. Although I was doing CMO roles, I'm the director just to keep me here. And everything was a nitpick. And it, it was literally to push me out, but they just wow. couldn't push me out because I was one of the only black women. So, you know, we can't do that for this women's organization. We got to pressure her until she leaves. And that's, I got to a point, it was, I think it was like after Memorial Day or something like that. And I was just like, you know what? I got a thriving business over here. I don't need the security anymore. I'm out and I don't need the toxicity. So I didn't give my two week notice, Queen of quit. I, I gave a, a one day Sunday Slack notice and um, notice by email. And I won't say it's the most professional way. And I, I haven't made a practice of that, but um, I just needed to cut, like literally cut that cord and keep on going, which I did. And that, that was the exit strategy. I had been thinking about it. So if we want to call that an exit strategy in my head, I said, okay, if things don't improve by X date, then I need to leave. And then something happened that really just pushed that forward where I just, okay, I got to let it go. And, and that's what I chose to do. Best decision I made. It sounds like you chose yourself, which is awesome. Um, sometimes 100%. we just sit in things way longer than we should, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, mm. a business, whether it's an idea. And yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you for choosing you. Uh, And I just heard you say it was one of the best decisions you've ever made. So I want to know what were some of the things you did? So you, you quit this job and now you are full-time describe what that business was and what some of the things you were doing, you know, in those early kind of building days Um, for the marketing business. Yes. 
Okay. So we were talking about this earlier about like doing the side work while having a full-time job. So when I started this business 17 years ago, um, I had a full-time, I was working as a, a claim, a medical, I think, believe it was a medical claims examiner for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And it was just a job. It started as customer service, just a job. And I had gotten an opportunity. I had mentioned previously that I was the managing editor of this online publication and it was going great. I was interviewing all these amazing people and I was doing that as a side gig. And then I, I enjoyed it. I met someone who ironically to this day is still my client. Uh, she is a black woman, board certified OBGYN. And she had a book at the time. And she had said to me that she wanted to use I'm going to say this a little, a few years later, because as I was doing the side hustle, I think Twitter was one of the first, besides like MySpace, it was Twitter that everyone was jumping on. And she goes, I want to promote my book and I want to use this social media. Like, can you help me with this? I had already started to study social media and marketing. Um, I didn't formally go to school for it. It was just, I'm a natural communicator and just, you know, amplifying my, my talents. And I told her, I said, well, I can help you out with that. And she goes, oh, well, do you know a lot about social media? I said, I know a little bit, right? But I know marketing. I know marketing well. I know about, you know, four Ps, all, all that great stuff I know. Give me a chance. Let me let me market your brand. Um, it was very successful. So that's when I said, oh, wow, I need to turn this into a business. Mm. So that's exactly how that happened. Um, but I always knew back from even that candy sales story that business ownership is key. And I didn't know from eight years old up into my 20s, I didn't really know like how to do that. I just thought that was a privileged people's game. I thought that was a person with money. I thought that was that that was their game because that's all I saw. The celebrityism of, you know, you're a celebrity, you make money, you're a celebrity, you open 12 businesses, you're a celebrity, you start a podcast, you know, you so you're, you know, that and those things come along with that privilege of being a celebrity or just having money and having access. I didn't have any of that. So I didn't see being an entrepreneur. I, all of these things that we have now, your wonderful podcast, all the other amazing resources out there. If I was 19 years old starting, I would be in a much better place now because of all the information that's there. Back then I didn't have it. So I told her, I said, let me try it. And the next thing you know, I said, okay, I'm gonna start a business. What do I need to do? Start an LLC. And then I just literally trial and error my way. And I wouldn't suggest this for everyone because now there's too much information out there to be, fumbling on how to start your business structure. But that's what I did. And then eventually, um, Blue Cross Blue Shield laid off the entire department down. Um, I worked in uh, downtown Brooklyn. They shut their whole department and they gave us a severance package. The severance package was, I think for me, maybe like $10,000. And I believe around that time, it was when we were having the housing, like when we had that housing bubble and yeah. like all the stocks and everyone was losing their pensions. That was when they decided to shut down. So I decided, which everyone in my life thought it was the most stupidest idea. I said, I'm going to take this, take this $10,000 and start my marketing agency, which I did. And that is the one that I lead now. So that was just like the beginning days of getting started. Lots of trial and error and lots of being broke and having to go back to a job, but then picking it back up and realizing that this is where my strengths are. And, um, you know, sometimes you just, it's not, it's going to be muddy. It's going to be very muddy for a while. And then you come up and you got, you know, fruit and vegetables and all this other great stuff. Let's talk about having to go back to work at a necessity, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Um, let's talk about like what that felt like, how you made that decision. And then we'll go into, you know, coming back out of that. But can you share a little bit about where you were in your business, um, maybe even in your life, if you want to be that transparent and in terms of like, how did you get to that decision? Because I, for me, like I imagine it, 
again, just one year in this full time, I'm like, I cannot see myself going back into anyone's workplace. But honestly, I might, I applied for two jobs in like the last month because I'm also like, whoo, things are extremely, I'm gonna use your word, muddy. And yes. I can't see there, I don't see anything clear coming out of this right now, right? So right. can you just share like, what were your feelings? How did you make that decision? And then, you know, even how was it trying to manage both? Yeah, so it's, um, as I was telling you before, I, don't, I do not have a linear path with any of this. And I had uh, previously had two daughters. So I have two wonderful daughters. And at the time, it, I was a single mom with them. And so that, you know, dad wasn't helpful at all. So, you know, we're struggling and I've already, I have an account. I have multiple degrees. What black woman does not, but I'm just saying, right. I have an accounting degree and I realized that's not what I want to do. Um, so that degree is just sitting there. I use it for my personal taxes. That's about it. But then during this period of bootstrapping and, and side hustling and all this stuff at Blue Cross Blue Shield and before, because they told us in advance that they were going to shut down the, the department. So I was already strategizing what I'm going to do. Um, and then Dr. Galloway kind of came in and we just worked together. But she was my one and only client. And she didn't pay a lot because she didn't have it either. We're talking about another Black woman, although she was a physician, she still, you know, had her things as well. So I worked for a very low amount, which wasn't enough to take care of me and my daughters and my living expenses. Um, and so I had this feeling like, do I got to go back to work? What is it that I have to do? So my answer was, I'm going to go back to school and do something that I actually wanted to do. So I am in school and, and I know that part. I know you're talking about the different aspects, but that also the fourth aspect is going to school and trying maybe a new career. Yeah. So what I, I said, I'm going to do this business, but maybe there's that faith thing again. Maybe this isn't going to work, but at least I'll have a new degree. That was my idea. I was very young. So this is my idea. Um, I went back for political science. I've always either wanted to be an educator or an attorney. So I went, I got my, my next degree. Um, that one was in political science and I was taking an LSAT doing all this work. Like I'm going to law school and we're moving to LA. Like that's what we're doing. I live in New York. So I'm moving to LA. That was the plan. <laughs> I, uh, fell in love. <laughs> I got into a relationship <laughs> and, um, my plans changed. Um, my current husband is in the military. He's in New York. And I was like, oh, so I guess I'm not going to LA and I guess I could do it in New York. I did not get into the school that I applied to in New York. So I said, okay, law school is not going to work. It's too costly to go to the school that did accept me. So that plan's not going to work. I had to pivot, which we're talking about three, four years time. So I had to pivot. I said, let me go and figure out what I really want to do. I said, well, if I'm not going to do law, I'm going to teach. I always love to teach. Even right now, I love to teach. And, and let's be honest, a lot of marketing is you're teaching you're teaching other people, whether it's customers right. to like, you know, and get connected to your product or you're teaching your clients on what they need to do to market. So a hundred percent. It's so, so relevant. And it's in me. And I, I think also just innate in black women, we are just nurturers. Women are nurturers, right? So I'm just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to do the school teacher thing. So I decide that I'm going to go figure out how can I get another degree in education? And I discovered a, a very good program that New York City has, um, New York City Department of Education called the New York City Teaching Fellows. I went through that, which is for career changers. So this okay. way you don't have to go and get a bachelor's in education. You can use your current bachelor's and they will help you get your master's, which is what okay. I did. So I got my master's degree in education. This is all while side hustling, being somewhat broke up and down with the clients yeah. and stuff. And I eventually said, and this was the most heartbreaking thing because I wanted to continue in my business. 
And this point, I'm gonna, I could be wrong with the years because it was a while ago, but I'll say maybe eight years into my business, that's when I decided that I can't do this anymore, right? Like now I have this man that I'm with, I have my family, I wanna grow this family that I've always wanted and I can't be side hustling and figuring yeah. it out. And I have daughters that are growing up, private school, you know, practice, all this. I'm just like, I can't keep on playing this hustle game of a business. And that's the truth. And I just, I said, you know what? I'm just going to teach. And I said, I'm just going to give it all up. I don't want my own business. It's never going to happen. I'm not privileged. I don't have access. I don't have this. So I just quit it forcefully. And I really didn't want to. And then for about six years, I taught in the public schools and loved it. I fell in love. However, my mentors, I started to build up, you know, my network, my mentors and stuff. And someone said to me, they was just like, you do not belong in the classroom. Like you're, you're great for the kids. I was teaching at East Flatbush. I loved it. And they was just like, "Mm -mm, you should be talking to kids at scale. So I don't know what that means for you, but you need to be empowering at scale and not 10 kids in a classroom, 20 kids in a classroom, because you care about what you dive into everything you want to do. And because of that, I started to think, I said, you know what? I don't want to live my life as a teacher. I don't want to do this any anymore. And um, that's when I pivoted back into my business full time. So I know it sounds all over the place, but that's just the journey. And I realized that there's something to be said about when in hindsight, when I look at it all, you really just have to have the faith and you have to do the work and you have to believe, you really do have to believe that what you were doing works. Now there's sometimes you need to stop because of, you know, maybe you're really not selling. Maybe, maybe you need to bring people in, whatever it is. That has to be evaluated, but the holistic part of it is you really do have to believe that you can lead and there are going to be valleys and dips and all of that stuff. And if you can't really hold that and be able to continue to lead, knowing that you, your bills are uh, piling up, then, you know, I I don't really, I don't really know what, what advice to give, but it it is gritty. It's not always fun. I had 17 years. I may have had a good nine to 10 years where it's been great it's going well now, but the rest of it, tears, maxing out credit cards, uh, maxing out student loans, just, okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, just trying to figure out what I want to do and realizing that networking and having circles, having coaches. I mean, I've filled up my life with all these people. And now I'm at this point, I'm going to be 40. I'm at this point where I'm like, man, I wish I would have just known all of this from the beginning. Maybe I wouldn't have had this really long journey of, what it is that I want to do because what I want to do is lead and I want to impact others. Mm. And that's all I've been trying to figure out within this journey, but I, I don't regret it. And I always hope that I can impart some type of knowledge. So someone else, another business owner realizes that, no, it's not six figures all the time. It's not, I got a new Bentley. I got to no, know it isn't. No, it isn't right. Like it is hard. You, you got to get out of social media a little bit with all the the, the, the unicorns of the world and they, somebody's making a hundred million dollars. And I, I haven't made a hundred million dollars just starting my first business in two months. So like, you know, we got to get, <laughs> we got to get out of this whole fantasy of what business ownership is about yeah and just be okay with that. And if you have that, that bulldog in you or that grind, that hustle, whatever you want to call it, then you'll stick with it during the the bad times, right? I, I think I just put that on Twitter. Like literally everyone wants the bouquets of flowers, but no one wants the seeds. No one wants to get dirty. The yeah, seeds are ugly good. and they're plain. They're plain and no one wants them. They want the after effect. Like now, oh, everyone wants to call me about BWBC and no one was talking to me two years ago. They, they was ignoring me. Now all of a sudden, oh, this is really provocative what you have going on over here. What's this? This is amazing. 
And with grace, I just say, you know, well, welcome, come on in, let's talk, right? And let's yeah. let's do that. But there, a year, two years ago, when I was in my hot bedroom with no AC before I bought my house, <laughs> it was I was over here working on a database, and you know, some sisters from Twitter that who I partnered with, like it was disgusting how gritty we had to get, and it wasn't fun. And now we are literally starting to see in year three, whoa, this is something. And if I didn't stick with it, one of my, one of my very good mentors, who I, I need to connect you to because he's the founder of Podcast Movement, if you heard. Oh, wow. Heard of, yeah, he, he's a business advisor and really good friend of mine. Okay. He recently told me in a call, he's like, you just got to stick with it. He's like, you don't even understand what you're sitting on right now. You're, mm. you're over here thinking, how can I do this? Maybe I should get another job. Maybe you should do He's like, you don't even realize what you're sitting on. Dive deep, like dive deep. And that, that's my best advice. If you believe in what you're doing, Jasmine, you believe in what you're doing, dive deep. If you got to take on some side projects, you got to do what you got to do. You need to bring some money into the house. You got to bring some money into your business. Like what you got to do? Long-winded answer, but you know. <laughs> First of all, let me say, you do not look like you were getting ready to turn 40. So I wish oh, I could share you. the video, but I, that's, I did not assume that at all so you are oh, your skin is so much. incredible I just I don't even know where to begin I'm over here like oh, believe deep you know I just there's just so many good things that you just threw out I do want to know uh where does BWBC come in and I want to ask this question because I just this I, I think I may have shared I was at I was at CEO spring break that was hosted by uh, Morgan Devon a few weekends ago got my little hat on today and one thing I just was not hip to was how many entrepreneurs have multiple businesses. You know, there's this whole theory of, you know, find one thing, be great, you know, find a niche. And I think that there are spaces for all those, those things that I'm actually working on as well. But there's also something beautiful and magical about not limiting yourself and putting yourself in a box. So can you bring us back to maybe what inspired you to create Black Women's Business Collective? Again, you had a marketing agency. We know that you went back and you were like this dope bomb ass teacher. Um, but where does BWBC come in? And if you want to share a little bit about how are you managing two businesses? Yeah, um, I, I'm managing, I, I guess, I'm throwing Nike here. <laughs> like I'm just doing it. I guess <laughs> that's my best answer. Um, not, not that clever, but you know. So what I will say is I have been in economic development and women's empowerment work since I was 18 years old. People don't understand that. When Entrepreneur Magazine uh, wanted to profile me for their top list, their top 100 impact, wait, well, 100 women of impact list, um, and I had an interview with one of the, you know, the editors. I said to her that I started this work in New in the New York City Housing Authority, which is also known as the projects in New York City, as an 18-year-old girl, basically uplifting black and brown girls from the projects who have been forgotten and overlooked. And we started entrepreneurism. I took what I learned at the, I'm a library kid. I, I have books, like if I put the camera down, stacks of books all around me my whole life. So I would just bring that knowledge. Now, I don't know if it was the best. I, I just read it in a book. I brought the business book knowledge to these girls in the inner city, including my daughters. They were with me, right? Like they, they saw me doing this work. So to say that what it is that I'm doing now with the Black Women's Business Collective is natural for me makes sense. But for the rest of the world, what really inspired it was out of my marketing business. So when COVID happened in, a, in New York City in particular, I believe it was March 13th, I'm going to say maybe March 8th or 13th, they shut the city down. Now, when they shut the city down, I've had 
city contracts, a few of them. The mayor, I, I don't know the legalities or whatever what happened, but they froze all city contracts. So if you were a vendor or a contractor in some of these city agencies, your contract was frozen. It wasn't deleted, but it was frozen, which meant my livelihood stopped as far as my finances. Most, and that's, you know, they say don't put all your eggs in one basket, but you know, my eggs in this basket in government contracting was working for me. Yeah. So I had a private client, but most of it was government work. I had to figure out what to do. I had some savings, obviously, that I didn't want to touch. I have a kid about to go to college. I'm like, I can't, oh man, I can't touch that money. Like this is for this, whatever. So I had a conversation with one of my business partners and it was just one of, you know, girl chats, you know, black women do. So we were just chatting and I said, we got to figure this out. Like the fact, cause she also began to lose contracts. So everyone was like losing money. Everything was paused, whatever. I said, we got to figure this out because I know there's a lot of black women who have their own businesses or maybe they're doing both and the pandemic has affected them. And now we know from the data, it absolutely has, right? You know, the cost of things. And I said, we got to like get us all together in some type of collective. Crazy. I hate to sound cliche with a lot of this stuff, but I literally had a dream and I never remember my dreams. And for some reason, I just don't remember them. This one night after we had this conversation, maybe because I kind of fueled my head with it, I had a dream of something called the Black Women's Business Collective. Very basic. I was just like, there's no way I'm starting a business called the Black Women's Business Collective. And I'm talking to like myself and God, yeah. or whatever. there's no way I'm doing this. I said, because no one is going to buy into this idea really just because it says black women. And that's the reality of it. I said, man, I'm going to say black women. And all of a sudden I'm immediately get ignored because it says black women vision still like black women business collective that if you name it, anything else, it's not going to work. That's the message I received. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I talked to my business partner and I said, cause we, we are also like business partners with my marketing business. I said, you know what, let's create a database. Now this is a, or a directory. This is before the trend of black owned businesses directory started because that wasn't a thing until I, I believe the time when George Floyd, um, the murder of George Floyd and stuff, all of a sudden, all these support black owned businesses popped yeah, we up. We have a list. We have a list. There's always lists all of a sudden. Now. There's always a list. Yeah. So before that really started, we had created BWBC directory. Okay. So I, I, you know, use my marketing hat and I said, I'm going to create this Google form again, being really gritty and bootstrappy, but I have no money for it. And we created a, a, a form, took two minutes to fill out. And we used a $30 um, Instagram ad to push it out to all the cities that we know black women are concentrated in. It was a success. We got over 3000 entries. Wow. People became interested. I mean, we, this was about in 45 days. So it was very, I still have, I literally still have the spreadsheet and then you could just scroll and scroll. You're like, oh my, like the way it was just piling on, let me know that these resources. And because not only were we saying, hey, join the directory, we were also saying, because my business partner is a media relations god almost. So paired with that, we're going to get press behind this and your business is going to get secondary visibility, right? You know, BWBC is going to get mentioned. And because of that, now we can pull into the directory. And if we want to say, hey, we want to talk to your business, which is what we did. We talked to many of them. It grew. So then eventually, because of that, we knew that the directory, remember what I was talking about, the the mission, my mission is economic development for Black women and their communities. I said, well, a directory ain't going to do it because people are going to buy a few of your candles. They're going to buy your t-shirt. They may, whatever, they may hire you for something. But other than that, they're going to say they supported you and they're going to bounce. Yeah. How can we make this scale? How can we make it long standing? 
going back in hindsight to that work that I've been doing in the New York City Housing Authority, we got to create the programming. We got to create allyship. We got I got to go in there and be the corporate bully and start talking to these big companies and saying, if you sell to Black women in their communities, you have a corporate responsibility to give back to us in this, 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 this way. And that's what we created out of now BWBC's membership, which really just is getting us collectively all together because we're out here listening to too much and we're not supported and we're not getting like, there are scams. There are people that are trying to get all your money. They, you don't know what to trust anymore. And it's so horrible for people like you and I who are doing real work to help Black women in business, career, whatever, that now it's like they are so thirsty for an authentic, holistic place of belonging. Yeah. BWBC is it. And this is what it is. And you can, you know, if you're not a part of the barbecue, you may come in and be an ally and support and do things. But this is for us by us, really, like the real FUBU yeah. of what FUBU was supposed <laughs> to be, you know, whatever. But this is the for us by us right now. And it has grown and it's, it's really in the direction of our mission. We have, you know, Yelp as a partner. We have the Omega Institute as a partner. And people are starting to come in. And that's where Jared, my, my business advisor for podcast movement, he was saying, he was like, I'm telling you, it's going to just like nothing. It's just going to start pounding in. And we are literally the way it's, it's upward growth. But, you know, that, but that's a long story short, that's how it started. Just this idea that we're not the only ones, you and I are not the only ones suffering and losing contracts and confused. Remember with the great resignation, before the great resignation, you have black women in their jobs who were dealing with toxicity and they were leaving regardless. Yes. yes. So now we have a market. You have a real market of women who have left the workplace willingly who don't know what to do, but they're figuring it out. And the way they're figuring it out, the vehicle that they're driving is entrepreneurism, but they don't know what the hell to do. So they need us. They need you. They need to hear these stories, right? So they yeah. understand there's no way. I'm telling you the same thing. There's no way I'm going back to be anybody's employee. And if I am, it's going to be on my terms within a contractual type of agreement thing. And that's about it. But I, I can't see myself also being, you know, back in these places where I have no more power. I want to uh, hit on a few tactical things. And I, I think it's interesting because we don't talk to, and just in general, not me, the podcast, but just in general, I don't think that we hear from or talk to mission-focused entrepreneurs enough. So can right. you just share a few tactics on how are you managing or balance, even balancing? You know, I really don't like the word balance, but you know, having a mission-focused business <laughs> and business decisions, like how do they work together? Uh, I would imagine there's some times where, you know, you're extremely passionate, which the word I think is also overused, but right. passion is, is a beautiful and it is a thing, but I'm, I just imagine there's some points where you're passionate about, you know, supporting or creating a programming, but there's also business needs. So can you speak to maybe someone that maybe they don't want to have a service-based business or they don't want to create a product, but maybe they do want to be mission focused. I spoke to a guy, um, Kyle um, Womb earlier this week, uh, was on the podcast who works for a company called Overflow, which Essentially, it's an app that allows people to make contributions to nonprofits by what they're contributing, not cash, cryptocurrency and stock. So in my mm. mind, it's really a it's a mission focused business. So right, right. again, just kind of tying it back to thinking about just, you know, whomever's out there listening kind of in the in the world of I don't want to make a product. I, you know, I'm just really passionate about impact. But can I do that and make money? Absolutely. And I don't I know that social entrepreneurship is a thing. I, I always tend, what I started to do 
um, because I don't have anything against nonprofits. I just think that unfortunately it has been used as a vehicle to um, exploit people who suffer for a multitude of things, right? Whether it's a, you know, an ailment or it's a, it's a culture or whatever it is. And a lot of times the money, because nonprofit law pushes you to do and not do things, nonprofits are profit businesses. However, the guise is all of the money is being used for the benefit of the mission or the vision and the values. However, when that gets tied into overhead, of we're paying for buildings, we're paying 12 CEOs and executives and all that stuff, then the money starts to just take care of people's uh, lifestyle who's within that. And no one really is getting served, right? And then if you mm -hmm. use good marketing, it looks like you're serving a community, right? But you're, not, you're really not, right? But yeah. you're exploiting and you're getting the federal funds. I think that is disgusting. And I do not, I know I've worked in a lot, nonprofits a lot. I no longer want to do that. So I said, how do I utilize business enterprise and give back, if that's how we're going to use the language, right? Um, how am I going to give back and make money? Well, you think of philanthropists, they do this all the time. A lot of them have their own business and then they create foundations, right? And foundations are inherently different than a nonprofit because they dictate what happens to the money. The money that goes in is literally given to other nonprofits and groups. And why I always push that a lot of these foundations now need to start instituting foundation grants to social entrepreneurs, because we're doing the same mission-based work. So you creating a, a foundation and giving it to a nonprofit to basically do the same overhead nonsense is a waste of time. But I said, I love social entrepreneurship and I need to find some companies that have done it and done it well. So Ben and Jerry's would be one, yeah. uh, Tom Shoes, you know, remember they had this whole thing of you buy a shoe and a shoe is they donate given. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. social entrepreneurship. They, yeah. they don't have to give anybody anything because they are a private business or a public business, whatever their structure is, and they don't have to give. So for me, how I manage that, I've had to learn throughout the years outside of BWBC, I've had to learn that. You can be passionate, but sometimes your passion can mess up the business, if that makes sense, in a way that I've grown up in the communities that I serve, and I know the pain, and I am someone, my, my husband laughs all the time, but I am someone that if I had all the money, if I had Jeff Bezos' money, I'd probably give it all away like his ex-wife too. Like, I, I'm just keeping it real, right? Like, as long as I'm comfortable, I have a place to live, like, whatever, what do I need all of this for, right? And if I can use my wealth to impact communities. Cause like I always say, if you invest in a black woman, people don't understand that you invest in a black woman, you change her community Yeah, because the women, good. women are taking care of communities, black, white, blue, whatever. We're taking care of all of this, but in particular black women, if you take care of her, whether that means her business, educate, whatever it is, she, you will literally change a community. She is going to go in. She's going to educate someone else. We were talking about how black women, we just want to help and we just want to serve and we're going to do it naturally. They talk about crime. They talk about all this stuff in certain communities. Even if you live in a good neighborhood, so-called good neighborhood, and you're a Black woman, that woman being empowered and being okay in these other types of communities, that's going to help her sons. That's going to help her daughters. That's going to help the nieces, the cousins. I am literally a result of that from growing up in a particular neighborhood and learning and educating, even if it was a smaller number of people who, who have experienced the impact. They have impact. And to this day, 20 years later, people still hit me up. I just want to let you know I graduated from the program. If it wasn't for you, da, da, da. and it's not about, oh, I just need that to fill my head up. It's about I have literally created impact. I made someone think differently. They 
besides the walls of their of their mind or their physical space. And I know with BWBC, I get so passionate with that. I don't. I tend to like. Okay, so this is why I have. This is why I'm surrounded by a lot of business advisors and coaches. So it's just like, okay, I got you. Like they literally forced me to begin charging for membership. I wasn't mm-hmm. charging. At first, it was just like, oh, everybody come in, big yeah. party, big black women barbecue, everybody come in. How are you going to scale? My mentor literally said that. How are you going to grow something if you don't charge? And if they believe in what you're doing, they'll invest. They'll invest in their self because they're, you're giving good access, first access to people and resources and retreats and programs. Like you're, you're investing in them. They are investing back in themselves and you can keep the community going that way. And I've had, although I know that intrinsically, the other side of me is I just want to make sure that it's really impacting people. And every single day, not a day goes by where a black woman is not hitting me up saying, thank you for telling me about this. Thank you for connecting me with the council member. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for that. So it is creating impact, even when I don't necessarily see it. Now they're, be- they're being, that's why I told you in the beginning, it's very, your feedback is, is important to me because sometimes people just think, oh, she's good. She got it. I'm like, no, tell me, like, how has this helped you? So maybe we can, can we can continue and scale that. And that's how we have built. We have a strong B2B model in BWBC. So now it's just like, oh, you need that? I got a sister. Oh, you need, you, you're you where in Brooklyn? I know the council member. Let me connect you there, right? And then it's just this whole networking, let's work together thing. And so I'm able to balance it, but I do struggle with this idea that if I was rich, I'd get all my money away. And that really doesn't really grow a business. <laughs> so you just have to, you do have to have heart and you have to have empathy. And then at the same time, you have to be surrounded by people who are business minded. And you also have to realize, hey, if you really love this, then you have to find a way to grow. And this is going to be the way you do it by offering services, offering, maybe it is a product, maybe it is a hat, maybe it is a whatever, something to keep you going. Because if you disappear, the impact of these women's lives disappear because they didn't have this, right? So that's, I don't know, it's a complicated, it's a complicated question for me because I I am someone who I just want to see, I want to see all women thrive. In particular, I want to see Black women thrive, and I don't see us thriving the way social media and the media would make you think we are. We're still struggling. If you are still working and doing all of this by yourself as a business owner, I don't think that's thriving. If you haven't hit a part, a point, and this is not negative, I'm not saying this as a negative, but if you haven't hit a point where you can teach someone to do something in your business and they go off and do it, or you can hire out or contract and, and you can't pay your bills and stuff, that's not thriving. I don't care if you want, oh, I'm the, I'm the CEO of this, I own this. If all these things are going on and you're in your own head and you don't have a team that's helping you, you're not there yet. And, we, and you need to just like, you gotta get that together. And that stuff will make you get out of this savior mentality. And, you know, I was a public school teacher. So sometimes you get that savior mentality. I kind of, oh my goodness, I'm seeing these, these young black and brown kids. They're suffering. They're not eating. I got to bring, I used to bring in salads to the school, chicken wow. salads. So like, this is like, I was that type of teacher. So I have this and I just got to make sure, okay, I can't save the world. I want to, I can't save the world, but what can I do with, within my capacity that doesn't uh, drain me? And that takes work, that takes practice, that takes any type of mental health stuff you got to do, speaking to people, whatever it is, getting in a sisterhood, having strong people that tell you, hey, it's okay, it's okay if that, you know, if that Black woman unsubscribed from your newsletter, because that's another thing that, we're like, oh my God, (laughs) I want to like email them back and like, sister, you don't know what you're missing out on, like, this is going to be big, like, please, and you just got to be like, you know what, they'll come back if they're supposed to, and that's it, 
Zanita, when you come back, I want to, I want to do a whole episode just focused on social entrepreneurship and just that impactful thinking. And I, I think, you know, I, now I think I know you can offer some incredible insight and particularly around, you know, you mentioned briefly your advisors and having a strong community of business people. So you can still, you know, thrive, right. As a social entrepreneur and that impact is and mission is going to be at the forefront of what you do, but also I want to bring it back and just have a conversation to focus on like, how do we parallel that with the business side? Cause to your point, you know, you said it, right. You can't scale if you don't have the money to do so. If you don't, you can't scale, if you don't have the resources to do so. And I think that we should have a conversation just on that. Cause I believe there are a lot of people, black people who have a desire to not, like I said, maybe it's not service-based, maybe it's not a product, but that just really want to have an impact whether it's in their community where they live, where they're from, or even just a niche kind of, you know, subculture audience. And I, I would love to just continue to like dig deeper into what that looks like from a modeling perspective, but this has been a extremely fruitful conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining me. How can people learn more about uh, you and the black women's business collective? Yeah, so my very, very uh, fun named website, you can go to allinmybusiness.com. And- that is so Black. Can I just say that is so <laughs> Black? I love that. I love that you own that domain, allinmybusiness.com. That is just, it's so Black. I am here for that URL, for that domain name. <laughs> that is the first time that someone has said that. So thank you Are so you much. Are you serious? I, oh, you I love what? it. People are black like, oh, woman? that's cool. Yeah, they'll say like, it's, oh, it's cool. But just to really, you get it. it. It's no, black it's culture. so, it's so, it's black yeah. culture. How many times yep. have we had someone say, you open my business? Like, why are you right. in my business? You know what I mean? Like, that's you can right. say it from a, a playful, joyful place of like, yes. you know, and, and you say from a place of like, why are you up in my business? You know, that's so right. let me just say, that's I right. love, I'm digressing, but I think that is a dope <laughs> ass domain name. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'll tell you, like, I literally, you know, when you're like trying to find a domain name, yeah. it's like everything is taken and black women's business collective was way too long. Okay. And I was just like, there's no way. And I was just like, I want people to get all up in our business. Like y'all need to care about our business. And I said, all in my business. That's it. So yes, oh, you can go to allinmybusiness.com and you know, there's everything's there, everything you need. If you are a black woman business owner, definitely sign up. We have amazing things going on. And if you want to follow me on Twitter I, or any social platform, I'm more active on Twitter. It's just my first name. So Z-A-N-A-D-E. And I will definitely follow back and connect. I just love talking to people. That's how I met you. We met on Twitter, That's right? We met on Twitter. We sure did. Yes. Yes. And so that's it. I mean, very basic. And uh, (laughs) thank you for this. There's nothing basic about um, the the URL, where to find you. I mean, the work that you're doing, again, I I look forward to you and I just keep even connecting um, beyond the podcast. I think there's some definitely some synergy here. I would love to figure out how I can just jump in and support and or, you know, I need to make sure I'm in your database because I'm a black woman and I own a business. Right. So I want to be be connected to like-minded, amazing other Black women. So yes. um, thank you again, again, you know, for your energy today. Really appreciate you. I will make sure that we have all your contact information in our show notes. And so okay. folks that want to also sign up and join and learn from, I know you've been having um, webinars. I be, listen, I be following. I'm, I'm subscribed. Oh, so you gotta, co- you I, gotta come to some. I have, have a good time. I have, a, you know, I've attended things where I've seen you speaking at. So when I tell you, I have been watching and following and that I think that you are doing really amazing work and I'm excited to see 
you know, the growth of what you've built. Um, I'm just, I'm happy. I'm just very, very happy for oh, you. From one block from so another, much. I am happy for you and where you are and, and what you've, what you've built this. So however I can help, please, please let me know. Um, to the so folks much. that tuned in, I hope that you, you know, even the men, there was everything that you were speaking applies to men and women. Pretty so much. So even though it's, it's the Black Women's Business Collective, I, you know, I think that you gave some good, good takeaways. So again, it's everyone that, that tuned in to the podcast. Thank you again for being here, for being with um, Zaneda and I today. And I hope you tune in for the next episode. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, but most importantly, share it with your community. Thank you again for listening. And remember, you were built for this.